Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. In this series, what the Bible says about, we're going to wrap it up, but uh, it's been interesting to take kind of an academic approach with some of these questions and uh, I, I like teaching through that. In the process, Kim was like, hey, you, you could be a professor. I'm like, well, I, I like teaching in, in some of the certain aspects about the Bible, obviously. But I don't want us to lose the heart behind it. In the mental process, we can't lose the heart, okay? We can't be void of the spirit, even though we might be growing in our knowledge, all right? And so that's very important. That We're still passionate about what we're talking about. We're still understanding what we're talking about. But it's not just the mental part. It's the heart that's very key in this whole process. And so today, I want to kind of continue with a, a, a teaching about a specific subject and topic. But I don't want to miss the passion, the heart behind it. We're going to talk about baptism, okay? And there's lots of different questions when it comes to baptism. But the heart behind that really results from a brokenness in my own spirit. You know, as a church uh, in, in January, it will be seven years, so we're six and a half years old um, as a body, and we've had 35 baptisms, which isn't horrific, but it's not where I want us to be. Uh, one year we had 15 baptisms, and, and that was a really special year for us. But the reality is, uh, it's been 10 months since we've seen a baptism. Now, uh, it could be worse. And I don't want to get in the comparison game because we could make ourselves look good with that, honestly. There are uh, many churches that have experienced worse. But this is not what I believe where God wants us to be as far as seeing people have their lives change and then follow through with baptism. And so I'm broken over that. And so today as we talk about this and we answer some of the frequently asked questions about baptism, I want to make sure that there is a person behind the knowledge, that there is a goal behind what we're going to talk about today. And I want you to keep that in mind as we look at that. It should break our hearts in such a way that we want to do something about it, okay? And so I want to educate our brokenness, okay? I want to educate our passion. And so I want to just really kind of teach through and fly through baptism, but I want to give us a challenge at the end. But some of the questions about baptism that will pop up, one is who should be baptized? That's a question, and it's a fair question, and all of these are fair questions, and maybe you have these settled, and it'll be good to refresh your memory, but who should be baptized? Every person who has placed faith in Jesus Christ, every person who has placed faith in Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible today, let's just unpack some scripture. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Well, I'm going to be in several different passages. I'll go to Acts 8 after Acts 2. But we'll start in Acts 2. This is, as you know, many of you, we've looked at Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is coming in a brand new way. No longer in, in one case or one person per um, instance. This is the Holy Spirit coming upon believers. It's Pentecost. There's a new era that has begun. And so Peter is going to address the crowd that has come because the crowd's like, what in the world's going on? There's something powerful about what's happening. These people are speaking in a language that I understand. And uh, there's a commotion happening. And they're like, what in the world's going on? So in Acts chapter 2, Peter seizes the moment and he addresses the crowd. In verse 22, it says, people of Israel, listen. 
and he preaches the gospel to him. He says, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. And there was a lot of uh, commotion. Jesus was going viral, if you will. Okay, before things were going viral, Jesus went viral with what was going on through him. People heard about Jesus, heard about this miracle worker. And so he says, you've heard about these. Many of you have experienced it, the miracles, wonders, and signs. Okay, verse 23, but God knew what would happen as his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. We know who betrayed him. Judas Judas betrayed Jesus. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. The Roman government had to put their stamp on, on execution, on capital punishment, okay? And so they nailed him to a cross, okay? Jesus was turned over to the authorities who nailed him to the cross. Verse 24, but God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You're watching online. Type it out. Amen. Amen. That's a big deal. Death could not keep its hold, all right? Death could not keep him in its grip. Now, skip to verse 36. We're going to see more of this sermon that Peter is giving under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So let everyone in Israel, this is verse 36, know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, (laughs) by the way, hey, you don't know the guy you killed? This is what God has made him to be both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts. The Holy Spirit is working here. There's a movement of God. And they said to him and to the other apostles, okay, brothers, what should we do? They, they have heard about Jesus, that he was crucified on their behalf, that he came back to life. And, and now they're like, what do we do with this? With this news about Jesus? What's our response to it? What, you just tell us, what should we do? Verse 38, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He goes on. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is all what kind of brought them about. Verse 39, this promises to you, to your children, to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said. Okay, they believed the good news, the gospel, were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Now, this is what we'd say, being saved. That's what the Bible calls this moment uh, of being saved. It's an interesting term, but it just simply means that you've been saved from an eternity apart from God. And, and the reason we have an eternity apart from God is because of sin. And our sin can't be in the presence of a holy God, but by placing our faith in Jesus, the Bible says our sin is forgiven. That's how we can be in the presence of God because the righteousness of Christ is given unto us because of our faith in him. And so now, longer, uh, now sin is not an issue because it's been forgiven. Past sin, present sin, future sin, the totality of sin forgiven. Praise the Lord. And all God's people said, okay, we're forgiven, washed, clean, brand new. And that's why we're saved. We're saved from that eternity apart. From God, we're saved from a present reality void of any meaning or purpose. We now have real life and an abundant life by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. All right, by placing our faith in Christ, the sins that separated us from God are are gone. And so we trust in Jesus for our salvation. We have this relationship with God. And now, uh, on our journey, we're ready to take our first step of obedience, which is to be baptized. Peter 
tells this huge crowd, turn from your sin, turn to God, and be baptized. Okay, so who should be baptized? Any person that says, I believe. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. That's the person that is the candidate for baptism. Not the person who hasn't made a decision for Jesus, but the person who said, I believe in Jesus. Well, the next step is be baptized. So after salvation, baptism is next. Okay, the next question though is when? When should I be baptized? If I'm that person, I put my faith and trust in Jesus and I should be baptized, well, when should I be baptized? The answer to that is as soon as you have believed. There is no reason to delay. When should you be baptized? Right after. Right after you make that decision to follow Christ, let's go get wet. That's the time to be baptized. I've read historically, and I've read even uh, some somewhat recently about churches that have a policy in place or had a policy in place where a person would say, I believe in Jesus, but they would wait a year or so. Each church could make up their own duration of time, but they would make up a duration of time. For example, some had a year. And, and that person, man, woman, whoever that may be, had to prove themselves to be worthy of baptism. They had to prove themselves to be a Christian before they were baptized. Now, some of you are shaking your head. I actually, when I first read that, I thought, hmm, because I, I, can, I can lean a little legal now. Okay, I, I can lean a little bit like, boy, yeah, let's make sure we're, we're in this. This is the real deal. And, and, and at first thought, without diving, I was like, hmm, interesting idea. Let's make sure someone really believes. But then, as you really put thought into it, which some of you had the proper reaction, as you're like, some of you are making the stank face. You ever made the stank face? Some of you did. Just like, like oh, you just smelled something stanky? And, and, and you're like, that doesn't smell right. It doesn't. Because nowhere in Scripture do we ever see a duration placed upon a believer in their baptism. It, nowhere. There's no prove yourself period of time that says this has got to happen before you are baptized. And secondly, I would say to that, it just completely misses the point of salvation. Salvation is a gift. You didn't earn it in the first place. You just received it. You didn't have to prove yourself to even receive the gift. You just said, wow, what grace this is that you would give me this gift, and you received it. You didn't prove yourself. Of course, fruit is going to happen in your life. Fruit will show that there is a change but it is not a requirement for baptism. Scripture shows baptism time and time again could and should immediately follow a choice that you turn to God and away from sin, that you put your faith in Jesus. Go to Acts 8. We'll just look at a perfect example. Acts chapter 8, verse 29. This is an encounter Philip has with this Ethiopian. The Holy Spirit said to Philip in verse 29, Acts 8, 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over, which is, how about that? Holy Spirit says go. What does Philip do? He runs. When the Holy Spirit says go to you, you running? Maybe the other way. But are you running to where he says go? Some of you, man, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is speaking. But yet you want to you wanna pause, you want to judge it, you, and really you're just stalling. You're not discerning, you're stalling. Run to where the Holy Spirit goes. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. This man's not a believer yet. He's just happening to read from the book of Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? What an introduction. (laughs) Goes over there, doesn't know this stranger. 
and hears him reading Isaiah. Says, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand this? The man replied, how can I? You know, you ever talk with someone who says, the, the Bible's gibberish to me. It's, it is going to be gibberish. Until you have the Holy Spirit. Until you have clarity. How can I? Unless someone instructs me. And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Listen, that's a seeking soul. God's going to put a willing witness with a seeking soul. Are you a willing witness? Here he is like, man, I'd like to understand what this is. Why don't you come up and tell me? Pretty cool. This was pre-pandemic. Now you got to be more creative, right? You have to find out another way to do this. Just wear a mask. You can make it work, all right? Now, he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Verse 32, the passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. How, how, who would have thunk it that God would have set this up perfectly? This is exactly what the man's reading. This is out of Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Now, before I go on, who does that sound like? Okay. Anytime you're in a church environment, you can probably say the word Jesus and get away with a right answer. Okay. How's the weather? Jesus. That's right. He's in control of the weather. Okay. You can say the name Jesus. This is a prophecy about Jesus. Thousands of years pre. All right. Who does that sound like? One, two, three. Yeah, it's talking about Jesus. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Verse 33, he was humiliated, received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now the eunuch, which is the Ethiopian, asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Great question. I mean, here's someone that's interested. He seizes the moment. He doesn't back off the J word. He doesn't back off this moment. He steps into it. Verse 35. So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about who? Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Notice, Philip didn't answer that question with, why can't I be baptized with, hey, hold up. I'm not so sure you believe. I'm not so sure this is the real deal for you. Let's give it a year. Let's give it some time and make sure that you really believe. Was that his response? No, I said, come on, let's go. Let's go get wet. Yeah, of course, you should be baptized. Now, the guy instinctively knew, I, I'm in, I believe. What's my next step? I got to get baptized. Let's go. So Philip said, Let's, here's the water right here. The pattern in the New Testament that we see is when a decision is made, a person is baptized. That, that's the pattern time and time again. That's the order that matters. Baptism should always follow a decision to trust in Jesus. Now, if you were baptized because of some of maybe some sort of social pressure, or, or family pressure, or maybe your parents' faith is the reason you were baptized, that's not the best way for that to happen. It needs to be your choice. Because, and, and we'll talk about this more in depth, but it, it's kind of like a wedding ring. This is my outward sign of an inward decision. This lets people know of a decision that I made in my heart. Now, I got this ring when? After the inward decision, after the choice that I made to enter into a covenant with my wife. You see what I'm saying here? I, I made a decision 
to marry a woman, and, and I stood before God and before witnesses and said, I'm in. And then this became a symbol, a picture to people. I made that decision. Now, if I was single and wore this, this, is, this doesn't mean no good. Except keep the chicas off me. You know what I'm saying? But it doesn't mean anything. It's, it's not valid in its symbol, in its sign. You hear me? So if you got baptized before you made that decision to enter into a covenant with Jesus Christ, the symbol of baptism has lost its meaning. And so I would encourage you, even if this has been years, your baptism needs to be after you made a decision for Christ, not pre. And so if you were baptized as an infant, your parents were, were doing the best that they could to introduce you to God, but however that falls short of the purpose of baptism. You need to be rebaptized. Technically, you need to be baptized for the first time in its proper context, in the proper order. So online, you need to be baptized. Here in this room, you need to be baptized. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, made that decision to stand before God and witnesses, hey, I believe, and then you go public with your faith through baptism. All right, I'll talk more about that picture in a minute, okay? But that's the when you get baptized. Hey, right after you make that decision. But now look at the why should I be baptized, which is a great question. You should ask that. Why? Why do this? Why should I be baptized? Well, there's a couple reasons. One, to follow the example set by Christ. Christ, Jesus, was actually baptized. In the New Testament, baptisms weren't unique to Christianity. I always found that interesting when I first learned that. I thought it was always just a, a Jesus thing. It wasn't. Different teachers, different ideologies, they would baptize converts. And it was a way to show people, I believe in this teacher or this set of teaching, this belief system, I'm all in. It was an identification process to a variety of uh, beliefs. We see John the Baptist on the scene, pre, a precursor to Jesus. He prepared the way for Jesus. He baptized people to say, these people would come and say, I believe I need to repent and that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. And so they were baptized to say, okay, I get it. I'm screwed up. I've messed up. And, and John's telling me that, that the kingdom is close. And actually, John was a witness to Jesus and said, that's the Lamb of God. And they were like, I believe in what he's saying. And there was a baptism that would happen. They were saying, we accept responsibility for our sin. We messed up. We know we're broken. Well, Jesus... He comes to John the Baptist and says, I, I want you to baptize me. But here's the thing. Jesus was sinless, so that means baptism doesn't save you. Jesus had never sinned, but Jesus said he needed to do that because that's what God the Father wanted. And he wanted to validate the witness and teaching of John the Baptist. And this was what the Father wanted. Matthew chapter 3. I'll read it quick. If you want to turn there, you can, but I might be quicker than your swipe. Matthew chapter 3 verse 13 says this. Didn't, it's on the screens, by the way, if you want to look here. That Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. Now listen, if you want to be baptized, I'm not going to try and talk you out of it. Unless you haven't given your life to Jesus, then we will. But John tried to talk him out of it. He says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. John the Baptist knew what was up. He said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up 
out of the water. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now, Jesus was baptized as an example to us. It's what God wanted. And, and to agree with the ministry of John, that he was preparing the way for the Messiah. That he was Elijah, preparing the way for the Messiah. Okay, and so we, we are baptized to follow that example set by Christ, but also because Christ commanded it. It's really a step of obedience, our first step of obedience after putting our faith and trust in Jesus. You know, typically someone's last words are very important, unless they're hold my beer. Okay, then it just doesn't really matter, all right? You, ever, you see those memes sometimes, those are really funny. They usually involve OSU people, but one of the last things... Jesus said on earth was this, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven on earth. These are really his last words. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all commands I've given you. Be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, did you see what Jesus said? He said, I, I, I got all authority, guys. And this is what I want you to do with that. Under my authority, this is what I'm commanding you to do. Go. We might want to get back to that running part. You remember, Philip, running on the go? We go and make disciples. We tell people about Jesus. We spread the good news. We're a witness about Jesus. And then what else do we do? We baptize. So... Again, you see an order here. We help people come to know Jesus, and then we baptize them. It's a big deal. Baptism is huge. Jesus said do it. Baptize people. They put their faith and trust in Jesus, and they get baptized. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teach them. Okay, now we're going to have a maturation process. Now we're going to grow in our faith. We're going to teach some of you are in that stage, right? You put your faith and trust in Jesus. You've been baptized. And we're constantly learners, right? We're learning more and more about Jesus. Listen, I'm growing in my faith. Hopefully, you're growing in your faith. But we're not really growing if we're not doing what he said. And what did he say? He said, go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them. Are you doing that? Are you just like soaking it up, right? I'll be taught all day long because I love being taught. No, we want to be people of action because we're everyday church. We want to be living this out. And if we're living it out, it's pretty simple. We should be going, making disciples, baptizing, and teaching. You, sitting there, listening, should be teaching people if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And you have been baptized. Are you teaching people? Young person, you need to be helping. Kids your own age, your own peers. Adults, by God, you should be doing that. You should. Why? Jesus said, I got all authority. Do these things. But look how he ends verse 20. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He throws that little promise in there because some of you are freaked out by it. Gosh, Going, making disciples, baptizing, teaching. 
Jesus said, listen, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. Even to the end of the age. This is right before he's ascended to the Father. But he knows the Holy Spirit's coming into the life of every believer. He said, I got you. But go. Make disciples, baptize, and teach. So why do we get baptized? Because that's what Christ commanded. But we need to be baptizing people. So what's the meaning of baptism? Now here's a little bit more about the picture I was telling you about. Okay, what, what, What's the meaning of baptism? I would put it this way. It illustrates Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That's what baptism does. It's a beautiful picture of how Christ died for us, was buried, then resurrected. And all throughout the New Testament, we see this taught. For example, 1 Corinthians 15. I passed on to you, this was verse 3, what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Now, baptism actually is a picture of this to us and to the believers, our faith family. And so when someone's baptized, we have water. We have a person in the water. What does this look like? A cross, okay? We're going to say cross on three. One, two, three. We're going to say cross on three. One, two, three. Not crocs. Some of you are thinking about crocs. Cross. Okay, we got a person in the water, looks, hey, saying, man, Jesus died for me and I'm crucified with Christ. When we go under, we're saying Jesus was buried. And now he was buried in this tomb, he was placed, but this is a picture of Christ dying, being buried, laid down, and then come back to life. Okay, that, that's what baptism is. It is a picture of death, burial, and resurrection. Colossians 2.12 says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. It's a picture, death, burial, and resurrection. Romans 6, 4 says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So when you're in the water, it symbolizes this. Especially the burial part, right? And then the resurrection part. Coming back to life to live a brand new life uh, as a new creation. And so when you are baptized, you are publicly declaring to a body of believers, anyone in attendance, that you believe that Jesus died for you, was buried, and rose again. That you've given your life to Christ, you're buried with him in baptism, and raised to a brand new life. That's what it is. It's a picture of that decision. Just like my wedding ring is a picture of a decision I made. Now, I would also say, I think it's important to note, baptism does not save you or make you a Christian. It's a step of obedience, but it does not make you a believer. Salvation is received solely by turning from your sins and placing your faith and trust in Christ, in Jesus. You know this passage, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Jesus on the cross told one of the thieves next to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say, hey, but first, buddy, go get baptized. It was going to be hard for him. He was on the cross. But he was still saved. Now, you should still get baptized if you can, but it's not a requirement for salvation. It is a requirement of obedience, but it's not a requirement of salvation. 
Now, why be baptized by immersion? Let me ask that question. Why be baptized by immersion? I think this is interesting, but the New Testament models baptism by immersion. In the New Testament, let's just talk about the New Testament. There's most of the words that we have, most of it's Greek, are translated from Greek to whatever language we're reading it in. For us, English. We have Greek words written in Greek primarily, translated into English so that we can understand it. And these words are translated like forgiveness, like spirit, like worship, etc. However, baptism is not a translated word. It's transliterated, which means it's basically taking from the Greek to put it into uh, an English equivalent that it sounds like. The Greek word is baptizo. And so we have the English word transliterated from that Greek word to baptism. It's not translated for us, it's transliterated. The word baptizo actually means to submerge, drench, drown, to dip under. And so if that's what the word means, that's what we're going to do. We're going to immerse, just like we see the picture of burial. Now, it, I would say this about immersion. We'll just throw it up on the screen. I believe it best symbolizes a burial and resurrection. I'm going to read Romans 6. Go ahead. If you have a Bible, let's find that because it's 11 verses. I would like for you to follow along. Romans chapter 6, 1 through 11 if baptism is a picture of burial, then it definitely makes sense that immersion more represents that, and that's what the word is, baptizo. And so Romans chapter 6, verse 1, let's read 11 verses. Verse 1 says this, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Verse 5, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that the sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Verse 7, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this. Because Christ was raised from the dead, he'll never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Time and time again, we see in Scripture, it equate baptism to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so, the best picture of that is by immersion. A death, burial, and resurrection. The old is gone, the new has come. And that's the pattern that we see in Scripture. Now, sprinkling started coming about when there was a water shortage. And it was their way to try and make do because of a lack of bodies of water or lack of water. And so it became an issue of practicality for believers to sprinkle. We don't have that issue. we got a big old pool in this building. We don't have that issue. So we're going to follow the model and the mode that we see in the Holy Bible. That's the best way to do it. Now, if there was a, a water shortage, and I'm not going to get legalistic on that. But we don't have that problem. 
And so we go and dunk. Kind of like this kid right here. He, he was very excited about his baptism. Uh, we have accepted Christ as his Savior and as his Lord. And he will demonstrate his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, by willingly being baptized this morning. He's been waiting on this day a long time. Yeah. And so, Jordan, upon the profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Go, Jordan. He said, I'll do it. Man, I love the enthusiasm of being baptized. I'm just going to do it myself. You take it too long. I'm excited about this. Baptize me. And he knew I got to go under. I love it. Now, speaking of kids in that way, what, some people ask, what about infant baptism? And I, I think that's a great question, too. I touched on it a little bit. But the New Testament shows no example of baptism when the person did not request it. This is what I mean by that. In, in all instances of baptism, we, we see a belief, a person's decision to trust Christ for salvation. In the Bible, we find parents that, that bring their kids to Jesus. He holds them. He prays for them. He, he tells us to welcome and not hinder kids. But we don't see him baptizing them. In fact, Jesus doesn't baptize anyone in Scripture. We don't see him telling anyone to baptize babies. Baptism is a public profession of a choice of salvation. So only people who have intentionally received salvation, who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, should experience baptism. So our policy as a, as a church is to say, we're going to wait until the child's old enough to understand the true meaning, and, and then gladly will baptize any child that says, I've put my faith and trust in Jesus. We have kids in this room I think maybe almost everyone that have been baptized. And we, we know that's a big deal. And so if a, if a kid and their parents have talked through it and, and want to and have put their faith and trust in Jesus, then we gladly say yes. But it needs to be based upon a belief as Jesus is Lord and Savior. So baptism is a big deal. The story and the narrative of baptism is essential to keep faith going. To keep the story of the gospel going. Baptism is important. It signifies that the person is identifying with Christ and going public with who they serve and who they follow. It's not magical in the sense of, the it's okay, see, tap, y'all. That ain't magical water, I can tell you, I can promise you. I don't even know if it's filtered. It might be warm because we got a big old pool here. All right? But it's not magical in the water. But boy, it's important to be obedient. It is a momentum creator. It can spur you on as you uh, are emboldened and going public with your faith. It's more like a rite of passage. It can be a defining moment to say, I'm moving forward in my faith. But it's a symbol about saying, I identify with, Je with Jesus. It's not a statement of perfection, but it says, I'm going to follow the one who is perfect. I'm all in with him. I'm aligned with him. Now, let's, let's go to the heart of this. Who have you seen baptized? 
lately? What was your role in it? You and me, listen. We, we got to hear the call. And we need to be broken over it and burdened over it and weep for the lack of urgency we've got with sharing the gospel. You're too comfortable. Online, you're way too comfortable. People going to hell, we don't give a rip. Let's just be honest right now. If you, if you give a rip, you're going, some of you way, give a rip way more about who's a Republican and Democrat than you do who's a Christian or not. You're vocal. You're going to be a fork in the road for people. You people pleasers, you're going to have to build a bridge and get over it. You can't please everyone. But boy, you stand up long enough, you stick out long enough, you'll see some people come to know Jesus. You and me both need to hear this. So why don't you pray for someone specifically? By the end of 2020, they've crossed over from death to life and they've gotten in the waters and baptized as a profession of their faith. And they go public that they love Jesus. We can't force it to happen, but boy, we can pray for it. We can open our mouth. We can be under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We can step into the moment that has been divinely waiting for us. But it's not going to happen if we don't have any burden. We don't have any motivation. If we got no heart for it, if we're too scared, if we're too people pleaser, it ain't going to happen. Now listen, are we jerks about it? No. Are we going to hit them on the head with a Bible? No. But we can be real, we can be honest, we can be transparent, and we can be vocal. You know, people are vocal about some stupid stuff. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1.16, don't be ashamed of the gospel. You've got a wonderful opportunity ahead of you this year. Even in chaos, there's going to be an opportunity if we pray for it. So let's do that right now. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Listen, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to challenge you. It's go time. It can't be sit on the bleachers time. It's go time. Kids, who's the classmate you want to share Jesus with? Pray for him. Adults, who's that coworker? Who's that family member? Who's that neighbor? That need Jesus. Look at them with the eyes of Jesus. Not, at the, not with the eyes of an angry neighbor. Pray that God would give you a seeking soul like Philip. Let it, let it fall in your lap. I believe it can fall in your lap. But when the Holy Spirit says go, you better go. Pray that you would be a willing witness. Pray you would share the gospel. Pray they would believe and pray they would get baptized. Pray, pray, pray right now, please. And then keep praying. Don't end the prayer today and never pick it back up. Keep 
praying. And let's see 2020, the year Everyday Church has more baptisms in three months than we've ever had in 12 months. Let's annoy the fire out of the Y saying, hey guys, we need to pull again today. Hey guys, we need to pull again. Hey guys, could you get the pool ready? Need it. I want to say, John, shut up about the pool. Yeah, pray for that. Pray that they tell me, John, shut up about the pool. I want that. Father, we're begging you for a movement to take us from famine to feast, to surviving to thriving. You've never failed us yet. You can do it again. God, go beyond anything that we could ever imagine. Exceedingly abundant. More than we could ever dream of. I, I pray for myself that you would break my heart over the lost around me. You would give me favor with uh, the lost people that I come in contact with. Whether that's through Starbucks or, or through uh, coaching or through whatever, uh, neighbors, whatever, Lord. Give me favor. Give me inroads. I want to be a willing witness. Send me seeking souls. Help me to go. Have those conversations. And I pray for reception. I pray for uh, tender hearts. I pray for um, your preparedness of the soil. Prepare the soil so that the seed would find uh, and take hold and produce fruit. And I pray that first fruit would be baptism. I pray that Jesus favor. And I pray that for every single person in this room that claims you and every person online that claims you. Do a work, God. Break our hearts. Even the, the hardest heart that is listening right now, soften that heart. I pray that in the name of Jesus. No one looking around. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, that's where it starts. Do that today. You could be listening, podcast, YouTube, Facebook, whatever it is, right now. Just say it. Say, I confess I'm a sinner. I've messed up. God, forgive me of my sin. I don't want an eternity away from you. I don't want a present with no meaning. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Give me a new heart. Take over. Forgive me of every sin. Be my boss, my Lord, my Savior. And the best way that I know how, I commit to follow you. If you prayed that prayer, something like it, listen, you reach out to us and let us know. If you pray that in this room, you let me know today. If you're online, send a message. Go to the website. Use whatever social media platform you're using. If you're in this room, take a connect card today. Check, I gave my life to Christ. Or if you need to be baptized in the right order, check that. Place it in the offering basket before you leave. Father, thank you for today. In your name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on, and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us, and we would love to 
to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless. Thank you.